Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast, powered by Exabel. I'm Mark Fleming-Williams. In this episode, I speak to Vinesh Jha, CEO and founder of Extract Alpha, a provider of curated alpha signals and alternative data sets to investors. In other news, I will be speaking at the HFM European Quant Summit on Wednesday the 17th November alongside Rani Paputri of NNIP, where we'll be discussing acquiring and combining alternative data sets. I began by asking Vinesh how he had first got into alternative data. Uh, 99, I went to a startup south of market in San Francisco. Uh, the startup was called Starmine. Um, and it was really like 10 guys in a garage type of thing. Um, and it, the founder, Joe Gatto, had this great idea, which was that he had been looking just as a you know, personal investment at, I think it was Dell at the time. And the, the observation he had was, okay, well, there are all these analysts providing estimates for Dell. I don't know which analysts to listen to. They all have different earnings estimates out there, different buy-sell recommendations. So could, could we do... Could we do something sort of systematically to figure that out, to figure out who the best analyst was, and then do something with that information? So he built a team to do that, got some venture funding, um, and I was the head of research. And the general thing that we found, we found, made a couple of observations. So uh, over the course of that company, which uh, eventually, by the way, got acquired by Reuters in 2008 or nine, is after I've gone, so I don't remember the exact year. Um, but uh, the, we found a few really interesting insights looking at uh, that data. So we got our hands on the detailed earnings estimates data, so every single estimate for every single broker. Uh, we got that from a couple of different data sources, you know, IBES and First Call at the time were the two primary providers of that data. Was there, was there a, so you were looking for the best one rather than the wisdom of crowds? Because actually the wisdom yeah. of crowds when it comes to analysts is that they, the, this crowd tends to follow each other quite a lot. So getting an average isn't necessarily that useful. Yeah, so there's a lot of herding behavior, a lot of similarities, but what we did find was if we could very carefully measure how good an analyst was in terms of being uh, different and more accurate and more consistent than his or her peers, that uh, that measure, that analyst accuracy measure was persistent over time. In other words, we really could predict whether they're going to be right next quarter if we looked at how good they were last quarter so that persistence mm. was like really the key finding and that means we could do a lot of things with that data you, we could one we could just tell the buy side who the best analysts were that's that's great two mm. we could actually create a smarter forecast you know put more weight on the estimates from the better analyst less weight uh, on the forecast from the worst analyst and we get this thing we got which we called the smart estimate uh, and so that was a really interesting tool that could be provided to fund managers, both sort of discretionary and quantitative. It could be leveraged in other ways. And then the other thing we could do finally is take those ratings and sell them back to the banks. Um, so that was a really interesting uh, other business model where the uh, the investment banks were actually paying us for the ratings. To know how much, who they should be, who, should, who they should be giving the big bonuses to. 
that and you know just using it for marketing like hey we've got the best tech yeah, analyst yeah, and so yeah. on yeah yeah i mean the risk being that you find who the best tech analyst is and then they get divorced in the next quarter and and uh, you know <laughs> it all goes it all goes up the wall um well, there's, but, there's uh, that yeah but you also get a lot of angry analysts on the phone <laughs> saying why am i the worst <laughs> <laughs> you've got to ask yourself that mate right. um, <laughs> but um okay cool so that's it well that is you know as i said you know this is kind of like an early form of alternative data in a way it's 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 taking that step away from using the data and kind of building an extra an extra layer on top type thing why don't we um why don't we come to extract alpha which is which you know is a is a is a is a fairly long story in, it, in itself in terms of um you come forward to april 2013 you're in hong kong and you're creating extract alpha well you're the ceo were you the founder yeah so um so i started really as a consulting firm um and a consulting firm with this vision of helping out other data providers. So I'd come from the trading world previously to, the, to that. So between Starmine and Extract Alpha, I was in prop trading in New York. Um, most of that time I was at a desk called PDT, Process Driven Trading. Uh, that was part of Morgan Stanley. Um, and the um, one of the sort of big events that happened during my, my tenure there was what we now know of as sort of the, the quant crisis or quant quake of August 2007. And it was an event which led a lot of sort of in, institutional investors to recognize that they were all really trading on very similar types of information. So, you know, starting from that point in those three days in August 07, I started really actively seeking out new sources of data. Um, and that seemed to be the natural thing to do once I left and, and started something on my own uh, here in Hong Kong. And it really started out as saying, okay, well, let me go out and find the people who are really doing cool stuff with data and let me help them bring that data to market. So that meant things like working with a bunch of interesting data providers um, who might be relatively new to the space and saying, okay, well, let me do some research on your data. Let me see if there's anything predictive there. If there is, let me help you turn it into a product. Let me help introduce you to some funds. You know, maybe we can, we can work together. Um, so that was really the first iteration. It was just me, you know, individually consulting to a bunch of data providers. And then, so take me forward from there. Sure, and that, that's still something that we do as part of our business, but it's really um, usually as an entry point to a, a bigger relationship with uh, our, uh, our partner firms. Um, so uh, the company evolved and the real pivot came around 2015 or 2016 where um, the realization became, you know, the consulting model is great, it's really interesting, but it doesn't scale well. So we um, became a product company. Um, and what that meant was collecting data from various different places, um, you know, including buying data from traditional vendors. Uh, we have a relationship with FactSet, for example. Uh, it included doing some web scraping and also uh, continuing some of our old consulting relationships through through partnerships where we were taking some of this data, whether it was bought, scraped, or partnered, uh, and really doing a bunch of research on it. If we found something that was really valuable, than doing something with that data. And it could just mean reselling it. So that's sort of like you know, we're a reseller of some data sets. That, that, that's fine, that's one route. And then another route was creating derived signals from these data sets. So creating things that were much more actionable. You know, one of the difficulties with consuming these data sets is they can be hard to wrangle, they can be complex. It's hard to find, to figure out how to, um, to, to extract alpha from them, hence the name, right? Um, yeah. So, so we, um, we've got a bunch of products that are essentially stock selection signals, you know, trading signals, things like that, that are based on a variety of different different data sets. So it really became, you know, a data, a data vending business in addition to the uh, the consulting side of things. 
Got it. And so would you say that, um, would you say that your Hong Kong um, location is, is a, is a major differentiating factor from, from others in terms of would you, is your, is, is Asia your, your kingdom and, and um, you know, that you like, so you're not competing with, I don't know, the M sciences or whatever, or, or, or is it a global game and you just happen to be based in Hong Kong? Yeah, it's more the latter. It's really, truly a global game. And I would even say that for the first several years of our existence, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, business was very U.S. focused. And it still is largely as most of our clients are in the U.S. and most of our data sets cover largely U.S. equities. Um, it's really just both from the supply and the demand side, you know, that's where the market was. Now, that mm. being said, we're increasingly doing more work on Asian data sets. Um, and there are you know, other advantages of being here. We have access, obviously, to the, to the talent pool that's here and you know, various government initiatives. But generally speaking, it's, um, it's sort of circumstantial that we're based in Hong Kong. You know, we have a sales team in the U.S., for example. We've got a, we're, we're a global team. And over the last you know, couple of years, we've been a you know, partly distributed you know, work from home team as well. So it really hasn't mattered quite as much other than for my sleep that uh, we are based yeah. in Hong Kong. Do you, where do you see, so as you said, it, uh, alternative data and the kind of this, this space really kicked off in America, probably uh, Europe was the, was the second and, 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 and Asia's kind of been coming up third, but I, in a very unscientific, scientific way, feel like the, some momentum is in, is in Asia now. It seems that there's a lot of talk about, about Asia in this space. How do you, how do you see that developing in, in terms of, from a, from a global perspective? Yeah, I mean, we live in a very interesting time now when it comes to, you know, investors into Asia and into China in particular, China A shares. Um, you know, we're, as we're recording this, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, talk about, you know, um, about some of those issues and intervention by the uh, by the central government and so on. So, but that being said, you know, we're still getting a lot of interest from institutional investors on data for China. Um, mm. And all sorts of data, really. Um, <clears throat> so uh, whether it's ESG or new sentiment, all sorts of things. So we do get a lot of inbound requests saying, you know, give me whatever you've got for, for China. Um, and that's been you know, sort of increasing steadily over the last, I would say, two years or so, as a lot of these institutions are looking to see you know, what they can find out about, about companies uh, on the mainland. It's... Um, uh, it, it's very often very difficult to, to get good data. Um, the traditional sources have been around for a while, but that's sort of it. And there are also, always questions about accounting quality and other reasons why you might want to dig a little bit deeper. So, um, so yeah, I think there's a, there's a ton of attention being paid to to Asia now, and with a particular emphasis on China. You're seeing demand from the demand side. Are you seeing supply dry up at all, or is there, or is it still sustaining? Um, there's still some. I mean, we don't have. And, and you'll you'll notice this about you know generally our data sets. We don't have a gigantic library of data sets. We really work on a very um, <clears throat> sort of uh, curated set of data sets. So it's not as if we have hundreds of data sets for for any given market. So it's really just a few, uh, including for for China. Um, but we're we're looking always looking to source them. I mean I I think um, we have not seen any supply drying up in the sense that you know people have stopped supplying data or anything like that. So. Um, I think there's, you know, there is interest in, in both directions and, and there should continue to be for some time, you know, as long as investors are still interested in, in being in that market in spite of all of the regulatory challenges. What would you say is your bread and butter or, or can you not say that there is a bread and butter because it, you're kind of, you've got, you've got multiple products today? Yeah, well, so we have multiple products, but the common theme or the bread and butter is tying together alternative data and quantitative research. So the idea is that we try to identify value in data sets and that that is hard to do. Um, mm. 
So essentially, you know, the particular types of data, you know, they could be raw, they could be derived. We, we provide both. Um, the markets, as I've mentioned, vary a bit. You know, we cover a lot of the U.S., but a lot of other markets too. Um, and, you know, the types of data, you know, it could be anything from sentiments to ESG to web data to, um, you know, really all sorts of things, crowdsourcing as well. So uh, the common thread really is that we've done work on these data sets. We've found them to be valuable and different and unique. And we uh, and we uh, we think that they can be useful for various different investment styles, in particular for systematic investing. I mean, and certainly, you know, we're interested in helping non-systematic investors as well. But at least we've proved through our research that they are valuable to a systematic process and that they can be used in a quant context. So that's really that's really our bread and butter is sort of sourcing interesting data, identifying the value in it, um, and delivering it in ways that are sort of easy to use, intuitive uh, and straightforward for our, our customers. What does what do your data sets have in common? But I suspect when you're when your um, focus or, or your strength um, is systematic, then that suggests that um, they tend to be longer than five years in terms of in terms of length. Are there any is that true? And are there any other defining features like that about your data? So it's not entirely true. Uh, so I would say defining features are um, breadth. Uh, so we like data sets to cover you know, hundreds of uh, hundreds of names at least, if possible. So that rules out some of the more sector-specific data sets, which might be of interest to discretionary managers, but won't really move the needle for a quant. You know, if they get better information on a handful of stocks, maybe that's helpful at the margin, but they're not going to pay a lot for it. So that's one is the the breadth. Uh, length history is, of course, important, but we do have a few that are younger. I and mean, this is particularly true in some of the like the web data and app data type of um, sets, uh, in particular, where just you know, the data doesn't have a long history and we have to learn to live with that. And we've found various ways to try to figure that out and you know, find something provable in data that even if it has a short history. So as one example, we do a lot of work on trying to not just predict returns, which are very noisy, but predicting something more fundamental like earnings. If you can build a model that predicts earnings reliably, those are often much more um, <clears throat> consistent models and you don't require quite as much of a history for them. And I think the third important thing uh, other than the breadth and uh, length of history, is the intuition behind why these data sets should be predictive of some of these KPIs, whether it's returns or earnings, earnings surprise, other things we care about. And it's really coming up with a, a story you know, for you know an economic rationale for why something should be predictive, why you should even use it at all. We see a lot of data sets where we say, oh, that's cool, but I can't quite figure out what the story is and why I should care about it. And it's much harder to 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 convey or to convince yourself even that there's a good reason to use the data set if you can't tell that story. You've been broadly trying to solve similar problems for 20 years now, um, Vinesh, in terms of uh, using different kinds of data, but you know, the job is the same, try and try and use data to make money off the market. How do you see that job? How, how do you see that job having changed 20 years on? Um, how yeah. do you see? Uh, yeah, how is it? How is it different today? Well, I mean, it's there's a lot more data. We all know this. So I think one of the things that's really fundamentally changed, and actually that's one of the problems that we've, we set out to solve, is a sort of overabundance issue. Um, it's not a problem we had back you know, 20 years ago. I mean, it was, it was hard to, to get your hands on data, but it was sort of, you know, there were only a few things you could really look at back then. It was usual suspects, you know, um, fundamental data, analyst data, you know, market data couple other things. So really what's changed is is the supply side of things. And the problem that a data end user is faced with is this overabundance. So you've got 
uh, funds trying to solve this in a variety of different ways, you know, creating data teams or sourcing the data using outsourced solutions in some, some, some cases like, um, you know, consulting firms and so on. Um, and, you know, marketplaces for data cropping up. So one of the things we're trying to solve is, okay, well, you're a fund manager or you're faced with 400, you know, data vendor sales guys breathing down your neck. Uh, who do you talk to and who do you ignore? Um, and so one thing we try to do is say, okay, well, we're not going to waste your time. We at least know what the strengths and weaknesses are of each of the data sets that we are uh, promoting. And we've done the research to show, okay, well, here's what the returns have looked like. Here's what the predictability has been like. Here's where it works and where it doesn't. Uh, here's how fast moving it is. Um, and so, you know, save you time in that sense. Um, and then um, really just the, the suite of data sets themselves have all been, you know, vetted in terms of data quality and, and, and all the sort of more basic dimensions as well. You know, uh, the length and breadth that we talked about earlier. So, um, so it's really meant to be, to some extent, a, a time-saving mechanism. And I think that's one of the things that uh, is, is going to be helpful going forward as we see just this dizzying array of data providers. You know, I'm sure we'll see some consolidation in that space as well. But, uh, but really, that's the main change is this, this, I mean, it's kind of stating the obvious, but just the abundance of data today. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so you mentioned Estimize earlier, which is a, um, which was a company that you were advising as a consultant back in, back in 2013. You, um, so Extract Alpha merged with them uh, earlier this, this year, I believe in March. Can you, can you tell me about that? Yeah, definitely. So it's a company I've been close to for a long time. Um, you know, it was a, you know, held, held much equity in the company as well in its early years um, and really came on as an advisor when they were starting out. So uh, Estimize was founded by Lee Drogan in 2011 in New York, um, and it grew to be the largest financial forecasting crowdsource platform in the world where individual users could go on and into this platform and put in estimates, uh, EPS estimates, sales estimates for, um, for companies. Uh, they eventually also added KPIs, so number of iPhones sold, uh, macroeconomic forecasts, and so on. So it became a sort of a very broad platform, you know, over 100,000 contributors um, creating estimates on these companies. And the estimates very often were, and more often than not, were more accurate than what the sales side was saying. So it's a very you know, interesting source of intelligence, uh, sort of wisdom of the crowds approach. So uh, early on, the work I did there was really proving that the data had value along a bunch of dimensions. One was that greater accuracy, and another one is that you, know, you could generate alpha out of this data set. You know, the crowd could predict the direction of earnings surprises, but it could also be a better benchmark for the earnings, for earnings expectations for companies. So a company beating the crowd is actually more impactful in terms of stock price than a company beating what the street thinks earnings are going to be. So, so that's a really an interesting finding that led to, you know, alpha generating signals from the data. Um, so um, it became a really, you know, great opportunity to to merge with them earlier this year. I mean, I was very closely involved in the company. We had very similar client bases. Um, you know, the, the technology was it could be you know certainly merged in other ways. There are, there are other synergies as well. And so we've been working on this combined entity for you know so, several months now. Um, it's, it's going great. There are a lot of Certainly from a data vendor's perspective, just from you know the company side, there are a lot of cross-selling opportunities. There are really interesting things we can do with combining data sets. Um, I, I think you know we'll see a lot more of these types of, of deals happen going forward, but uh, but it's been really great so far to, to combine these and see where the synergies lie. Fantastic. You've so obviously you've known the management for a long time, and so it was a it was a kind of natural would you had you did you had we been coming closer together gradually for years, or was it a was it a kind of a sudden idea? 
It was more of a sudden idea, um, and it's certainly, you know, uh, you know, we're glad it, it worked out well as opposed to, you know, uh, seeing, you know, one of these assets gobbled up by one of the big players. Uh, it's it's kind of nice to see sort of companies of similar size coming together. Um, it's certainly something that we'll look to potentially do with others in the future. You know, I think it's uh, it's interesting to to see which assets, data assets, could be acquired and, and combined with others. And I think uh, I, I think you know data buyers like to see that too. They like to see um, you know they like they like fewer people to talk to. I'll put it that way. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um... Excellent. And is there anything I haven't, I haven't, um, we haven't touched on Vinesh, anything, um, anything else particularly of interest? Yeah, I mean, there's loads. I mean, I could tell you about a lot of our different initiatives. Um, but I think, you know, one of the ones that is you know, really exciting that we'll be, we'll be sort of officially announcing in the coming weeks is a new platform for the exploration of data sets. So, you know, I, I described a lot of the stuff that we do internally in terms of backtesting, researching data sets, um, and a lot of the tools we developed to do that you know, are many of them are standard backtesting tools, but there are things like, you know, measuring, you know, the accuracy of various of these data sets. Um, and uh, since a lot of that is already done internally and we're doing this analysis on lots of data sets, you know, we are planning to open up a lot of that externally as well. So what we're working on is something that's more akin to almost like a marketplace for signals where we'll be showing, showing our work really and saying, okay, well, here are signals from us, but also from other interesting providers that we've come across in the market. And let's let's see how they do. And uh, if you like what you see, you can uh, certainly enter into a commercial relationship. But it, it could also be just really a research tool to say, well, what's the thing correlated to? You know, what are the risk exposures when I look at the signal? Um, even if you're not a quant, you can click around and, and explore these signals. And, and that uh, that new platform, Alpha Club, is something that we'll be announcing in the coming weeks. And we're, we're super excited about it. Fantastic. Sounds very exciting. Um, Vinesh, thank you for, for sharing your experience and, um, and, and the extract alpha story. Um, it's, uh, so it's great to speak to someone in, in obviously based in Hong Kong and, and, uh, obviously quite, quite established as well. So, um, uh, yeah, really interesting. Thanks so much. And, um, and best of luck with it all. Great. Thanks for having me on, Mark. Really appreciate it. You're very welcome.